Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. How about a Thursday? First day of February 2024. Welcome into the Gabe Coon Show. After we watched a debacle to end January. Tigers drop one. In nasty fashion, 74-71 to the second worst team in the American Athletic Conference, number 248 in the net. That would be the Rice Owls. Dropped to four and four in conference. We're going to talk about that plenty today. But I am your host, Gabe Kuhn, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman on X at G underscore Kuhn 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That'd be Connor Dunning. On X at C Dunning 99. Connor, how, how are you doing? How, how, how's it hanging? Not great, Bob. Not great. Not great. Are the Tigers affecting your mood today? A little bit. Your emotions a little, little bit. bit. I think it's, it's I think you're bit. not you're not you're not in your own box with that one. You're not in your own box. I think there's a lot of people in this city that feel the exact same way. And I don't really I hate to bring this up, but I did talk about it um, earlier this week and uh, parts of last week about the fun, the enjoyability of Tigers basketball versus Grizzlies basketball. I see a lot of people doing the pitting the two against each other. I hate that. I think that is uh, dumb. I don't think that accomplishes what some people think it accomplishes. Um, But I did ask about the enjoyability. And I think at this particular moment, if I redid the poll that I did last week, if I took calls on it, I think most people would say that they're enjoying the Grizzlies and what they're doing right this second a whole lot more. And they play the Cavs tonight. They play the Cavs tonight at home. And more importantly, Vince Williams Jr. is back. Yeah, Vince Williams. They could, they, they, don't take him away from that's us. All that I, that's all that I care about. Every time <laughs> I check the, if when us. I see the injury report, now I'm just like injured, injured, injured. And, okay, Vince is back. All right, yes. cool, 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 cool. But because of the Grizzlies versus Cavs, we will have two and a half hours of talk on the way courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN and yours truly. We will pass you off to Jessica Benson for the pregame tip will be at 7 o'clock. Uh, we're coming off a night where Donovan Mitchell had, what, 45, 5, and 6? He's the second Cav in the history of the Cavs franchise to have – 45, 5, and 5. The other one, can you guess? Is it LeBron? Oh, yeah, it's LeBron James. So uh, Donovan Mitchell's coming off a game like that, but it is a back-to-back. We'll see what this this shorthanded Grizzlies team can do. Some 10-day contracts we may get a, a nice look at. Trey Jemison, um, Tosan, Awoma. I mean, we'll, we'll see what they have tonight. But we're, we're going to open here on the Grizzlies, and we'll talk about it throughout the day. We have a daily Memphian takeover. Ryan Horvat is not able to join this week. We'll get him back on next week before the Super Bowl, as well as uh, um, we're going to have Lee Sterling at some point as well to talk some bets. But uh, uh, Parth Upadhyay as well um, will join at 6 o'clock, Tiger basketball for the daily Memphian. That's who he covers. Of course, Jeff at 5. Then we have Trip around the NFL at 5.30, Small Talk 5.50, and we'll get out right after Parth and send you out to Grizzlies versus the Cavs. Now, how do I start this? Um, Tigers dropped to 15-6, and 4-4 four and four in conference. They're 7th in the American Athletic Conference. Two weeks ago, they were 10th in the AP poll. And to lose to a team like Rice, I just I can't, I can't fathom it. They were 1-6 in conference heading into last night. Um, they were 7-13. They're now 8-13. And, 
And they were a team who was bottom half of the net. They're 248. And you, you, you go into last night at home against a team like that, and you think there's no way. Even if they play badly, if they play like they have been playing, there's no way they can drop that type of game. But here we are. And I, I don't think there's any one thing to point out uh, why this, this four-game losing streak has occurred. I think there's a lot of things that we can discuss uh, along the way. It has to do with coaching. It has to do with plan. It has to do with players on the floor. But I want to start with Penny and the plan last night um, because I, I have put it out there. I think some people are with me on this. That first half was as badly managed a first half or a half of basketball that I've seen from any coach in college basketball this year. And it is the worst managed half I have seen from Penny Hardaway in his coaching career. We knew that he wanted to shake up the starting lineup. We knew that he wanted to find some dogs out there that were going to give him some effort. And we heard him at his press conference, or not his press conference, but his, his show on Monday say that it was likely that he would shake up the starting five and that whoever was running out there was going to be someone that he trusted in the line of fire. And with the fate of the world on the line, you better win or the Martians have the death beam pointed at Earth. He starts Jaquan Walton, David Jones, Jonathan Pierre, Naquan Tomlin, and Malcolm Dandridge. Now, I want to, I want to point out three things are three guys that just if you're if you're really trying to win a game, why it just does not make sense to run them out there first. David Jones and Malcolm Dangerous, whatever we can. I mean, those guys have been mainstays this year. David Jones has had his struggles. I'll get to in a little bit, but I want to talk about Jaquan Walton as your lead guard in that lineup. Um, he is shooting twenty six point seven percent from three in his last four games. He was a guy that when we talked about the starting five, Connor. If you were going to make a switch, and I know Jaden Hardaway was hurt, we figured Jaquan Walton would be the guy you take out, you put in Jaden Hardaway. Now he was hurt, so Jaquan gets a start. Jonathan Pierre. Do you know about Jonathan Pierre's minutes numbers and how they've been you how he has been utilized this year? Four point six minutes per game. He starts the game last night. And then Naquan Tomlin. I think Naquan Tomlin's a talented player. I think he's very good at times. Does he foul too much? Yes. See a little erratic, yes, but I think he's a good player. But the truth of the matter is, starting him last night is interesting because since he's joined this team, they're 6-4. and four. And their defensive numbers have gotten substantially worse when he is on the floor. And Penny Hardaway even said it after the game last night. He said, we have not been able to get our defense right or mesh as well as we should have or should be meshing since Naquan has joined the team, yet he started him last night. And I just look at that starting lineup. It's nonsensical. There's, just, there's no way you can look at that and act as if that's a winning starting lineup. You have no ball handling. You have no creation for others, which has been one of the biggest issues with this four-game losing streak. You usually have more turnovers than assists. And when I saw the starting lineup, I went on my X account, again, G underscore Coon 71, and I said I am looking forward to Javon Quinterly because he is the lead point guard on this team. He's the guy who can get things um, organized for the most part. He's been struggling lately, don't get it twisted. But I said I look forward to seeing Javon Quinterly come into the game in three minutes. What happens? Javon Quinterly and Nick Jordan, who have been part of that starting lineup for the last ten games, they check in at the 16.55 mark, 3.05 in that first half. Nine players played in the first eight minutes. Ten players played in the first ten minutes. Jalen Young was the tenth guy. Eleven players played in the first 12 minutes. That was Carl Sharon There's absolutely zero continuity, and there was zero continuity in that first half. And it shouldn't be a surprise that the results didn't follow. If you don't know who you're going to play with, how are you supposed to play well? You threw out 11 different players and a half, and you wonder why they don't play together and they don't mesh well. It's pretty simple. You're playing guys in three- to five-minute spurts, and they're not used to the guys they're playing next to. And then, when you, get, you just break it down, through the first 12 minutes, eight turnovers, no assists, 
and you're down 33-22 to at half to a Rice team who was entering the night 7-13 and overall and 1-6 and in conference. If you, if you want to point to the reason they lost that game, it's because Penny Hardaway allowed Rice, through a fault of his own and substituting in the starting lineup he ran out there, he allowed them to build a lead. Up 11 at half. Then at halftime, obviously he had a, a come-to-Jesus moment. He comes out in the second half, and he brings in the normal starting group that he's been starting the last 10 games, but he sits down Malcolm, and he puts in Naquan Tomlin instead, and they start playing well. And it shouldn't be surprising. It shouldn't be surprising. I think even he knows those are the five best players on his team. It's just frustrating because I think a lot of coaches – will describe teams in all sports, whether it be football or basketball, whatever they want to do on the defensive end, offensive end, they want organized chaos. Have you heard that before, Connor? Organized chaos. We want everybody to be moving at a fast speed, confusing the team they're playing against, but we want them to be organized in the spots they're supposed to be. What I saw in that first half is organized chaos meet disorganized chaos. It was erratic behavior from Penny Hardaway. It was bad play on the floor from the guys. There's just no rhyme or reason to what we saw in the first half. And it shouldn't be a surprise that they lost to Rice after the first half they played. And I think the disorganized chaos, it starts at the top. It starts with Penny Hardaway. There's no movement. There's no sharing the ball. They're chucking and ducking on the offensive end. And it leads to four straight losses. And all of these teams that they've played are 100-plus in that rankings. So I, I just want to get that out there first. Now, we, uh, we also, I acknowledge it off the top of this conversation, it's not only one person or one thing that leads to a stretch like this. I want to get to the players here. It's not all on Penny. I've seen teams rally despite a coach, Right? despite what their coach is throwing out there. And I think Penny put them in a bad spot in that first half. But when we watch this team play, there's clearly a disconnect. They clearly don't like each other. They clearly don't like to work together. And they clearly are not familiar enough with each other. And it shows time and time again. And if you want to talk about the players and the way they've been playing, I think it's pretty, pretty clear. I mentioned Jaquan Walton already. Um, in the last four games and four losses, he's shooting 26.7% from the three-point line. Uh, Javon Quinterly is 22.7% from the three-point line. David Jones, in this four-game stretch, has committed 19 turnovers. Last three losses, 15 turnovers. Last loss, nine. Nick Jordan, who before this stretch was considered the most efficient player in college basketball, has averaged three points and four rebounds per game. Everything is going wrong with this team, and it's spiraled to a point that I fear there's no real return. The return would be going 9-1 and the rest of the year with the last 10 games are going 10-0 and and putting yourself in an at-large situation. If that is not the case, this team will have to run through the AAC tournament, which now they've put, them in a bad, put themselves in a bad spot, being in the middle of the American Athletic Conference, you'd have to win four games in four days instead of three games in three days if you had a preferential spot at the top of the conference. But everything is spiraled out of control on this team, and it's no longer bubble. They are out of the tournament at this particular moment, and they have to find their way back in, or it's going to be a completely lost season. Yeah, the I think that the best point that you made there was that the blame doesn't fall on one person. We've used the pie chart metaphor with the Grizzlies and what happened with them. With the Tigers, it's a pie chart, too. Um, But rolling out that starting lineup was pointless. It did nothing. I didn't understand why. If you're going to shake it up, I understand maybe changing one guy, but not having a point guard in there, when one of your main issues as a basketball team, if not the issue, is turnovers and perimeter defense... Makes absolutely no sense to me. I texted you. As soon as that lineup came out, I said three and a half turnovers in the first five minutes. They hit four. Yep. And they even brought in Javon Quinterly 
3.05 into the game. It went exactly how every single person thought it was going to go when they saw that starting lineup. It didn't surprise anybody. I don't understand it. Why are you trying to send a message to guys in a game that isn't a must-win? It's a must-not-lose. You had to win that game. It didn't matter if you won by one. It didn't matter if you won by 15. You had to win that game. And you lost it at home against a dreadful Rice team. It's one of the worst losses in Memphis program history. No doubt about it. Does that mean they can't bounce back? No. But we have got to be honest about what's happened the last few weeks, especially the last four games and what happened last night. The players did not have effort. Penny did did not have his head in the game in the first half. Second half, he was good. No problem in the second half. Tigers won 49-41 in the second half. They looked like a normal Memphis Tigers team. There were still a lot of issues. Yeah. No question. Now, all that being said, it's also not Penny's fault that David Jones just won't play defense. I'm yep. kind of tired yep. of it. We've got to have a real conversation about and David Jones. There, He's there, pretty good offensively. He also turns the ball there, over like crazy, also, and he refuses to play defense. There's also multiple times within a game where he'll get, you know, uh, he just stands still. He'll get he'll get sort of uh, sort of the run and gun style that worked early in the season, where they'll get a knock away and they'll get uh, the opposing team on their heels. And he will try to take it at three separate guys and not share the ball. It's been a struggle for him, and that's why he's turning the ball over so much. And this was a guy before the year. I mean, Penny was talking about this guy's going to be on triple-double watch. I didn't think the triple-double would be with turnovers. I thought he would be able to get his team involved. We saw even in the exhibition games in the preseason, he was getting his teammates involved. Off the bounce, finding them, uh, finding some backdoor cuts, that type of thing. He's not even trying to find anybody else on this team. No, not at all. And I think in a lot of ways when we talk about guys that are playing for themselves and playing for their own stats and everything else, I think David Jones has fallen into that in a big way. And if he's sort of the leader, the, the guy at the top of the, the pecking order with this whole thing, that can't be the case if you want to win ball games at a high level, and that's why you've seen them struggle the way they have. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's just it's really frustrating – when you're watching these games, and the new starting lineup didn't address a single one of the main issues on this team. It didn't address perimeter defense. It didn't, uh, it didn't address the fact that you have now had, I think, four straight games in a row where you have more turnovers and assists. It didn't address the fact that you're not hitting threes. It didn't address the fact that you're not stopping them from hitting threes. They shot 47% from yep. three last night. Rice. Yep. 47% from three. And most of them were open. Yep. Penny didn't put them in a great position in that first half, but the players the last few games just haven't given the effort. I know that Javon Quinterly said that he thinks the effort was there last night. I think it was there in the second half. That first half, though, was embarrassing. Mm -hmm. It was embarrassing. They were walking around on defense. They were clearly mad at each other. The starting lineup definitely pissed off other guys. And what's... The other thing is, like, when he he ran out the starting lineup... From what he said is he wants to get the dogs on the floor, the guys who are completely sold out to go getting wins. I didn't see that. That that wasn't even accomplished. That starting lineup was awful, and they didn't give the effort that you thought that they would give. And here's another thing. I also don't think it was fair. I don't think it was fair to Pierre. No. no. You're using him as bait. You're using no. him as, as fodder. Don't no. do that with your players. Well, you, you, you played these guys to try to light a fire under, you know, Javon Quinterly and Nick Jordan and some of these guys you've been starting. And in the process, you spited your team and put them in the depths of hell when it comes to their NCAA tournament hopes. That's what happened. You spited your team by playing that starting five that you played last night. I, I just, I, I can't understand it, and it's just, it's beyond frustrating to watch this team and how they play night to night. Since the, the Caleb Mills injury is the turning point of this entire season, when his knee got hurt, the perimeter defense... And the accountability on the this communication team disappeared. Gone. Their leader disappeared. And then the blame game started. Yep. And that's where all of a sudden you see the cracks. And nobody wants to take responsibility, especially on the defensive end of the basketball. I think that's what's so frustrating when you're watching this is that you we're, we've been saying now for two weeks your main issues are turnovers, perimeter defense, and three point shooting, and nothing that they did last night with that starting lineup, address that. Nothing that they've done with schemes have addressed that. 
It looks like the same here's, team. Here's, and that's what's concerning is that's why it feels like they're in a free fall right now with no net. Here's the thing. What's the net? Here's, here's the thing, too. When it comes to the defensive scheming, what I'm noticing uh, a whole lot out there is Penny is not countering with any type of other defensive scheme when the guys don't understand. Yeah, we can talk about effort all we want. But what I noticed from that Rice team, they clearly had good film on this this Memphis defense. They dragged out all the bigs out of the paint, put them on the three-point line, on the perimeter. Um, Keanu Dawes and Max Fielder are their two bigs for Rice, and they dragged them out to the three-point line the entire time. And then that leaves Javon Quinterly, David Jones, Jaquan Walton covering backdoor cuts, which has been a, a complete low light for them this entire year. You're allowing way too many easy baskets because of backdoor cuts and cuts to the rim because you're dragging all of your bigs. Other teams are dragging all their bigs out to the three-point line, out to the perimeter. And Penny has no way of counteracting that. He's just saying, oh, the plan's there. The guys have to be sticky when, 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 when people are cutting, when people are trying to backdoor cut on them. At some point, try something else, throw something else out there. And then I think there's another part of this where – I saw this post, and I think it's a fair point. Why put... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. So much pressure on opposing teams. Yes. When you are more talented. Stop selling out. They're What's selling the out. And that, that also leads to the, the erratic changes when it, when it comes to substitutions because guys are getting tired and gassed early. When you're more talented than another team, and you play offense, quite frankly, besides last night, play offense at the level this team can play. What is the point of continuing to put pressure on the ball in the full court and the half court as much as they do? Especially when your team has proven that they cannot handle it once they break the press. Right. Their You're recovery time's not there. It's not there. It's, it's interesting. We've had conversations about football coaches this season and their systems. I think Penny Hardaway is an excellent defensive coach. We have seen Memphis teams in the past have great defense. However, his scheme does not work with this personnel, with the roster. And instead of molding his scheme to fit his roster, he is trying to force his roster into his his scheme. scheme. And it's just not going to work. You're trying to fit a square into a circle. It's not going to work. You've got to adjust it. it, I'm not saying Penny Hardaway's scheme is poor. This team just can't execute it. And at some point, we're going to get tired of hearing, well, my scheme was right. They're just not executing it. Well, they're not executing it because they don't have the ability to do it. It's, and that's an, I think can, it's pretty That's simple. fine. It's fine if they can't do it. But you've got to make up. a change. You've got to switch it up. Find something that works. It's, because it's simple. We have now watched game after game after. It's not just the last four. We have seen the writing on the wall here with this defense for a while now. They don't have the guys to be able to do it properly without Caleb Mills. You have got to have a point of attack, man, and they do not have that. You've got to have a quarterback out there, and they do not have that. They're relying on guys and asking guys to do things that they are not capable of doing. And that's why it bothered me so much that Pierre got thrown out there. He's a freshman being used as fodder to send a message to older players. You do not do that to a kid in that type of game. That bothered me. It really did. It was not fair to him. It wasn't fair to the team. And it put them in an 11-point hole to Rice. And here we are. Yep. You play a normal starting lineup, we're not having this conversation today. There's no question about it. And then after the game, Penny steps up to the mic. He says the plan's there. We're just not executing. Same thing. Same old 
um, discussion that we've been having for the past two weeks. But at some point, you have to switch it up. Uh, Javon Quinterly stepped up. He said, this is tough. This is very tough. I don't remember ever going through something like this. I'm telling the guys, stay off social media. Either we're going to get tired of feeling like this and do something about it, or it's going to keep happening. Um, if you're not tired of it by now and you're on that roster, you're, I don't know what, what will make you tired. I don't well, Because you've hit rock bottom. Um, I don't think you can go any, you can't go any, and you can't then go further down. Javon Quinterly, I thought, spoke out of both sides of the mouth to a certain extent about the locker room issues. He said, I don't really think it's locker room issues. I really don't. We're just not together on the court. All the way up until the court, we're together. And then he went on to say, and this is what's interesting to me, he says, okay, it's not, it's not uh, locker room issues. He says, I feel like guys don't respond well to constructive criticism. That's locker room issues. That would, that would seemingly be practice locker room issues. If guys are not responding to the criticism they're given and they're not you know, making changes in their game because of it, I think we could chalk it up to that. If they get frustrated because of it and mad at whoever's giving them that criticism, I think we could chalk that up as, as locker room issues. So at this point, um, they have a chance still to rebound. I wouldn't bet on it considering the way they've played and the amount of wake-up calls they've had to this point. But when we look at their metrics and, and where we're headed, Penny said it best, I think, last night. They're going to have to win the AAC tournament if they really want to make sure that they're going to get a spot in the NCAA tournament. Feels like we're right back there. Yeah, We're right back there, and unfortunately, they're playing their worst basketball right now. And again, the concerning thing is, is that the main issues on this team that people have been noticing for the last few weeks weren't addressed at all last night, and they haven't been addressed the last few games when all we've been hearing is that those issues are going to be addressed. It's not all on Penny. It's not all on the players. It's a combination of both. Yep. Both of them have got to step up and change things up. I also want to make this very clear. One thing that's happening right now that I find silly, it is entirely possible to criticize somebody in a team while still believing in them and wanting them to, to win. Yeah, of course Can, it is. We've got to stop doing this whole, oh, if you criticize Penny, you want him to be fired. That's ridiculous. It's nuts. It's always been nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. This but team that, deserves this, criticism right it, now. That's that's few that's few and far in between. They're just they're just very loud. This loud team voices. deserves criticism. Last night was one of the worst losses in program history. Mm-hmm. No way around it. They've got to step up. They have nobody to blame but, them, but themselves. Yep. The drama, the play on the court, throwing everybody under the bus and pressers. If you're going to take responsibility, take responsibility. Don't take responsibility and then throw players under the bus. Yep, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now, um, I think we've covered that for the most part. Yes. Now it's time to talk about metrics. And uh, let's go ahead and grab a break, and we'll talk about where their metrics stand. And uh, let me just go ahead and give you a uh, spoiler alert. They're not good. We'll be right back. 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Had to roll out some real talk in that first segment, but that leads us with Memphis basketball, who lost to Rice last night. They're 15-6, 4-4 in conference. Seventh in the American Athletic Conference. That leads us to metrics and where they are right this second. Now, um, I want to drop a, a betting note on on Penny Hardaway coach teams and when they when they are twelve plus point favorites. I know people don't really care about that; they just want to see wins. But I think this is sort of telling in the grand scheme of things of how his teams play against inferior competition. In his last twenty one, as a twelve point favorite, twelve plus point favorite, Penny Hardaway is three and eighteen against the spread. Again, if you win those games, you feel fine about them. But I, I think that after these last four games, seeing what the spreads have been, seeing how the, the final um, sort of comes through and, and being losses, it, it is kind of telling of how this team plays up and down to competition. This, it's not just this team. It's been teams of the past as well. And I want to sort of point out also Penny Hardaway this offseason. I'm not, I'm not mad at him for saying this because I think he was correct for the most part. He said the out-of-conference schedule is our season. I think we neglected to mention the amount of shortcomings and potential losses and what they would mean in conference in these last four 
losses have definitely highlighted the issues in that way of thinking. Yeah, you can do all you want in the out-of-conference, but it's not going to save you if you stub your toe this many times in conference against teams that are this bad, that are 100-plus in the net, including Rice last night, who came into the night as 248th. 248th in the net. 7-13, and 1-6 and in conference. They improved to 8-13, and 2-6 and in conference. Now, getting into metrics, um, I want to start with sort of the losses that they've taken. Um, they have two quad three losses, one quad four loss now that they've lost to Rice. Now, one of the quad three losses in UAB could potentially become a quad two if UAB continues to win and play a lot better. So this may change at least a little bit. But Memphis losing to Rice added that quad four loss to its two quad three losses, and there's only seven teams in the net era who have received at-large bids with three-plus quad three or quad four losses, bad losses. Um, 23, Iowa. 23 Kentucky, 22 Miami, 22 Rutgers, 19 VCU, 2019 Baylor, and 2019 Arizona State. If you'll notice those names I just rattled off, there's only one team that's considered to be a mid-major among those, and that's VCU in 2019. So with the losses they've accrued, it is sort of unprecedented. There's only one time in the history of the net that a mid-major caliber team in a, in a conference like the American Athletic Conference, of course, VCU in the A-10. There's only been one example of a team like that having three-plus quad three and quad four losses making it through to the NCAA tournament. And as we start seeing bracketologies come out, I would imagine they are on the wrong side of the bubble, if not off the bubble altogether, because that loss last night is one of the worst we've seen from a good team in the American Athletic Conference or any other mid-major conference. Now, um, we're going to leave the AP poll completely out of this. They're completely, there's no chance they ever get back into that as the season goes along. I guess they could go 10-0, and 9-1, but I think it would still be a, pre- you'd be pressed to find them in the top 25 again. But let's get into it. Tigers Ken Palm right now at 70, their net 76, and then Bart Torvik, they're at 90th, 90th. And for Bart Torvik, he does his sort of, projections and thought process on uh, using his metrics, he uses them to project who will make the tournament, who won't, what their percentage chance is. They've gone from up above 85% two weeks ago to 25.2% before this Rice game to get this, Connor. Their chance to make the tournament, according to Bart Torvik, uh, you know, as, as sort of referenced by his metrics, 7.4% chance for the Memphis Tigers to make the tournament at this current juncture. Now, I wonder how much of that is, you know, resume right now or resume, what he thinks this resume would look like by the end of the year with a couple of more losses, which I think would be fair to project unless this team changes and flips this whole thing uh, on, on a 180, flips it on a dime and figures it out. Um, but it's hard to project that. It's almost impossible to project that at this particular moment. But when we look at their metrics... They are in a danger zone that is going to be very, very hard to come back from. And Penny Hardaway mentioned it. I mentioned it already on the show that he feels like they need to win the AAC tournament to save their NCAA tournament hopes. I think that's where we're at at this particular moment. And, and I can't really see a, another way forward unless you were to run the table um, where you're going to get an at-large bid. So you're telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. 7%. There's always a yeah, chance. It's, uh... It's dire, man. It's really dire. I can't – to be honest, it feels like it's whiplash. Like two weeks ago, they were number 10. You felt amazing about this team. You knew that they had some problems, but you were like, okay, they'll probably figure it out. That Wichita State game looked better. Okay, okay, okay. It's kind of remarkable that we've gotten here. It has just been such a quick implosion. It doesn't mean that they can't bounce back. But it does mean that it's a lot more difficult, and they have a lot more obstacles in front of them now. And one thing that we were talking about in that first segment that I still think is worrisome, and a reason why I think it's fair to have doubts about a huge turnaround, is none of the issues that are ailing this team right now have been addressed yet. Yep. Nothing got fixed last night. Nothing. The hope that you have is that they have hit rock bottom, and the only way to go now is to ricochet back up. 
that that is your only hope right now is that last night was the biggest wake up calls of wake up calls possible and that they take responsibility it has to start on an individual level every single guy has got to take responsibility and grow from this four game losing streak because it's kind of on everybody it's there's not one person that you say this is your fault this is your fault it's on everybody yes you get blame you get blame you get blame there's issues in the locker room. There's issues on the court. There's issues with the coaching. Something's got to give. But will it? Will, will it? it? You talk about it, your hope is that they feel like they've hit rock bottom. Yeah. Right? Because they were bending for but, a couple weeks, but they didn't break. But They've shattered now. At this point, after three straight losses, before that Rice game, didn't it kind of feel almost rock bottom? Yes. Yeah, you were like, there's no way. It felt, I mean, I guess losing to Rice, who's one of the worst teams in conference, could definitely wake you up. But you lost to South Florida after giving up a 20-point lead at home. Right. That could have been rock bottom. Then you followed that up with Tulane, where you lost by two. That could have been rock bottom. Then you go to UAB and played probably your worst entire game of basketball the entire year. That could have been rock bottom. Now we're just going to, it's hard for me to assume that just because they lost to Rice, this is going to be rock bottom. Because now I have to worry about, Okay, with the defensive strategy and what Penny talked about and, and, you know, ramping up practices, getting them to buy in, that's not working. The offense is starting to take a backseat and not look that good. How much faith have they lost in the process? How much faith have they lost in their coaching staff? How much faith have they lost in Penny running out the right groups at the right times? How much faith have they lost in each other? So, like, there's two ways this, this can go. You can get to rock bottom and you can say, you know, it's time to move back up. Let's lock in. Let's make something happen. You also can get to rock bottom and see what you've accomplished already and say, well, damn, we should never be in this position ever. How much faith should I have in the person leading us? That's what you could do as well. There's two ways this can go. You can either completely you know, fall over yourself the rest of the way, or you can get it right. And right now, quite frankly, Connor, if I'm betting one way or the other, I would bet on more losses going forward. I know you're f- football, but you've been in locker rooms. Right. I'm sure while you were on the Tigers, there was a moment where things felt like they were going wrong. How did you, have you witnessed something like this? Have you been a part of, of anything like this? I, I mean, I, I would say 2016, year one with Mike Norvell, there was definitely some, some murmurs and conversations within the locker room. Now, here's the thing. I think there's two different types of people. There's people that will blame the coach and lose faith, and then there's people that will say, okay, yeah, I'll blame the coach and I'll lose faith in what he's doing, but we can still control what we can control. We can still go out there despite the bad plan and the bad planning that we've had from the top and you know how badly we've played. We can still turn this around and move forward. Those are the two directions you can go. Um, I just don't see any semblance of this team with the problems they've had, being able to rally. I don't see, like, the hope of them being able to rally from this position. Because you figured it would have happened by now. You lost to a terrible South Florida team, then a Tulane team, then a UAB team, then a Rice team. Like, at some point, enough would have been enough already. And I just can't move forward and, and expect this team to play like they did in the early season. But I have seen... A lot of players in my playing days, despite what they thought of the coaching, despite what they thought of the plan, they still play at the highest of levels. But this team, as everything has crumbled around them, they have crumbled as well. These players have crumbled as well and played their worst ball of the year. The worrisome thing is that somebody hasn't stepped up. A leader has not emerged when they lost their leader. Because it's pretty clear... The biggest thing that has happened through this whole stretch is that it has really highlighted how important Caleb Mills was to this team. 100%. As a player, as a leader, as a veteran, all of those things. No one has taken that mantle or even tried to. And, and, and the other part of this is you figured, okay, you lose Caleb Mills as maybe a, a outward-speaking type leader, a guy who will rally the troops and yell at them and, you know, Climb into them if they. It's not it. even. Yeah, it's it's just leading by the, example. The, the, that's what I was getting at. They don't even have someone right now with the good players they have, with the talented players they have, and David Jones, who's been phenomenal this year, scoring the ball, but lately has been turning the ball over too too much and not playing defense. They don't even have the guy that they can follow an example of right this second. Caleb Mills was both 
He would be able to yell at them and, and timeouts. He'd be able to show them how to play. He'd be able to communicate. You don't see communication. You don't see anything coming from these guys in any positive manner. Um, but I, I think that, you know, with with him out, you figured, okay, somebody could pick up and be the leader by example, whether that's Javon Quinterly or David Jones there at the top, and neither of those guys have been able to do that. You can't really follow their lead because you may see some decent things on the offensive end, although a lot less lately. But on the defensive end, they sort of let go of the rope consistently, especially David Jones. So the, that, that example leader is not there even. And I don't know how you find one at this point in the season. I think you're, Malco, you're, you're, you're in February now. Yeah, yeah. Before we know it, we're going to be in March in the AAC tournament. It's a month away. And you don't <laughs> and you don't have that guy and I don't know who actually can step up into that role and make it happen. I do think Malco has tried. It it appears <laughs> I think it's pretty clear at least, he has. And it's just not working. And I'm not sure why. Um and I don't think that's necessarily on Malco. Because that dude's going out there and giving hundred percent effort every single game. It's not on him. But they just have no vocal leader out there. It's the, the, the shoulders slump immediately. And it doesn't help when you look over it's at the, the bench and it, it's the same. What it's did I call it thing. earlier this week, Connor? Emotional follow the leader. Yeah. If your leader, if your coach, if the guy that you're getting, you know, yelled at at every practice who's trying to bring you along and is, is designing your game plan, if he's the one with his face in his hands, if he's the one who slumps his shoulders, if he's the one who, who can't give you energy when you come to the sideline because things are going the wrong way, you're going to follow that example. I see, and this is the thing, you, you talk about leading by example, that can be a bad thing too, right? Sure, yeah. And that's what we're seeing too. The example that's being set is not a positive one. It's a fully negative one, so they're following that negative example. And that, I mean, I don't know how you flip that 180 in a week or two weeks or a month. I don't know how that, that it has switches. to start. It has to start with the individual. I don't know when when that clicks. It has to start with the individual. Every single person on that team, staff, players, team assistants, everybody has got to look in the mirror and say, "This is not working. I've got to take responsibility for my assignments and for what I am doing. I have got to stop pointing fingers. I've got to stop trying to be a hero." And we have got to come together as a team or it is not going to get better. It is not going to get better. It's that simple. For weeks now, we've been screaming about how they have more turnovers than assists consistently every single night. And it night. hasn't changed. And it hasn't changed. The ISO basketball hero stuff started showing itself even when they were winning in the non-con. It was, it was starting to appear and it was concerning. But you had the talent and you had the defense still then where you could get by with it. Kayla Mills goes out, all of a sudden the defense isn't there. That safety net of hero ba- playing hero basketball isn't there anymore. And then you started selling out on defense, you were pressing too hard, you were getting beaten, and then guys started pointing fingers. And here we are. Here we are. Yep. At a, at a point of seemingly no return. At a point of seemingly no Because return. when guys are getting open on out-of-bounds plays and they're your assignment, that's effort. Yep. It's, it's it's that simple. If you're turning your back to a guy and he gets an open three, that's on you. It's and it's effort. also it, it's focus. It's it, it, there's a, there's a lack of this team just being locked in on what they're supposed to do. Yes, too many guys playing for themselves, and I it's be, it's a complete broken record. It's beating a dead horse at this point. These guys, I think, a lot of them are playing for themselves. And again, two well, ways to go from here: you can either continue doing that and lose, or you can switch this around, play as a team, and go win. It's, it's that thought, simple. It's not like the schedule is anything that – I mean, you beat the hell out of Wichita State. You're going to play them Saturday. But the way they're playing right now, I'd project Well, the, the way that they score. <laughs> yeah, Wichita score. They put the ball in there. And, again, I still can't understand, like two weeks ago, when the, before this, this, this losing streak occurred, I thought it was the best basketball they had played in, that enti- in the entire year, that second half against Wichita State. It came on the heels of that. Isn't that nuts? Like thinking back to that and what we thought – you're 10 in the AP poll. Everything seems to be looking up. You have an easy stretch of schedule, seemingly, after you beat a Wichita State team that's seemingly capable. And it completely fell off. Like, all the expectations, all the thought process around what they did in that second half in Wichita State, that's completely dead now. How many uh, turnovers do you think they had in that game? Wichita State? Mm-hmm. I'd say somewhere under 12. They had 10. Yep. How many assists did they have? <laughs> Over 10. 
25. <laughs> it's that it's simple, not that y'all. complicated, is it's it? It's not that complicated. Basketball is a lot more simple of a game than we make it. Yep, perimeter defense and playing hero ball. That's what's happening. Yep. <laughs> it starts with effort. Yes. I, I think that John Martin had a very good point that he put out on X last night where the last few seasons, those Tigers teams – weren't as talented as this one. And I think that's where the, a lot of the frustration oh, comes hell from. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, because we've seen it. But you never doubted why those guys were playing. Right. Kendrick Davis, all about Memphis. Yeah. DeAndre Williams, all about Memphis. Malco, Alo, all about Memphis. These guys, I'm not sure I can say that. Yeah. And, and it goes back to the conversation I think we had with the listener last week about sort of the attachment to the city that these yeah. guys may or may not have because they're coming in here for one more year, maybe a year and a half, two years. They don't really know what's expected of them. They don't know about the city. They don't know what Penny is expecting of them, and, and it sort of leads to play like I don't this. even think it has to go that and deep. Then, and then Naquan Tomlin, like, think about Naquan Tomlin and Jordan Brown. There's been a revolving door this year. There's been yeah. drama off the floor, It's and I think it's bleeding over into their on-court play. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that since Jordan Brown came back in the picture, they're 0-4. I don't think his play has nothing to do with it. He's been nothing. He's been nothing. Yeah, but he doesn't play his enough. his presence but... has absolutely had an effect on at least a few guys, especially Malco. You know it. Yep. Go look at the Instagram post when he came back. Yep. It's not a secret. Yep. Now, I want to get to a little bit of positivity. Please. <laughs> Grizzlies. Yeah, Grizzlies. <laughs> <laughs> they play the Cavs tonight. We'll get to that in a second. We'll preview that. Um, but we talked about Marcus Gasol. His retirement day was the last day of January here in 2024. And uh, we talked about his jersey being retired. The Grizzlies did not waste any time, did they, Connor? They wasted zero time getting that plan. April 6th versus the 76ers at home. Marcus Gasol retirement day and jersey retirement. That will take place again April 6th against the 76ers. Uh, I, I sort of said it yesterday. We, we attacked it yesterday, but fully deserved, fully understood. I think all the core four needed at some point. Um, but this makes a whole lot of sense, and and I'm I, I'm I'm excited to have Marcus all back in, in in Memphis for for that time, and maybe into the future. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I think a really fun wrinkle of it too is that it appears that the Timberwolves may not have a game that day too. So Mike Conley might be able to make an appearance. Yeah. I, I'm curious if that happens. It would be awesome to see him and have the whole core four back together. But no, it's he's. He is so incredibly deserving of having his jersey uh, up there with Zebos and Tony's will be there, and you know Mike's will be there eventually. Those four guys, we talked about yesterday, their importance goes far past the basketball court. Jeff put it perfectly. They changed the way people thought not only about the team, but about the city and themselves. Yes. They brought a pride to, to being a Memphian that I think a lot of us needed in that moment. I, I can just remember I'd walk around Universal Studios or di- I'd wear growl towels because I'd right. want people to ask me about Memphis. You wanted people to see that you were a Grizzlies fan because it, it said something about you, the grit and grind, the blue-collar aspect. You know, a lot of people have talked about teams having, you know, similarities to the city that they represent and being, you know, synonymous with it. But I'm not sure you can get any closer than G&G in Memphis. Like, the, the two of them, the parallels of those teams to the city – the blue collar, the hardworking, the G and G, it was special. It was a special time to be, to be a Memphian. It was a special time to be a Grizzlies fan, and that connects directly to Marcus Hall. And the fact that he is a Memphian, yep, is just it puts it over the top. And their community outreach was great, but I think you said that perfectly. I have uh, no notes. No notes. You say that to me. No notes, though, Connor. That was very, very well said. Now that leads us tonight versus the Cavs. We will uh, send you off to pregame with uh, Jessica Benson at six thirty. Tip will be at seven. Donovan Mitchell is coming off probably his best game of the season, 45 points. Player of the month. He had uh, six rebounds and eight assists. He's the second player in Cavs history to have a 45-5-5 game. And uh, you, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. The only other one is LeBron James. But it is a back-to-back, and they're going to have to travel. So, I, I listen, this, this, this plucky, young, you know, G League, ten way, ten, a two-way, 10-day contract team, they have played hard. I'm not going to rule out anything. They're eight-point dogs at home tonight. We'll see what happens. But Vince Williams Jr. is going to be on the floor. Uh, looks like Santi Aldama, uh, John Conchar will be questionable. And then 
Uh, Luke Kennard, doubtful. A positive doubtful, though, is De- Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is now doubtful. Well, we, we talked about him getting back in five-on-five five and potentially re- returning to the floor. Um, but also on top of that, Zaire Williams is going to be out. Um, it's just going to be as much as you can get on deck. It is mu- as, mu- as many players can hit the floor as possible, play all of them. Let's see some of these 10-day guys. Trey Jimison will probably get some run. Tosan at Woma will probably get some run. Let's go ahead and see what these guys can get done tonight. I I I'm have, excited to but see But again, him. it's it's the peril or, or the the foils, like the complete opposite of of Memphis basketball, and the fact that like the expectations are so low that you just have fun. You have this bliss about watching these young guys play, and I'll, I'll have the same one tonight. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm really excited to see what some of these ten day guys can do. Of course, you want to see what Gigi can do, and then Vince being back makes the game more watchable immediately. And Jaron continues to be on this amazing run. Um, that's one thing that we don't need to lose here. It is a lot of fun to watch these these plucky Grizzlies and these 10-day guys and guys making their way in, Vince Williams Jr. and Gigi Jackson. But Jaron Jackson Jr., in front of us, in front of our very eyes, is becoming an NBA superstar. He's playing at an all-NBA level. And that leap that we were hoping he was going to have this year is happening. And, yeah. it's, and that is extremely exciting. And I don't know if you saw this. Desmond Bain wasn't in a boot at practice. Oh, boot watch. Boot watch, baby. My favorite thing, boot watch. Um, now, a uh, quick sidebar from last night in the NBA. The uh, return to Portland for Dame did not go as planned. Dame time, but the other way, baby. Anthony Simons <laughs> coming through, baby. 24 points, five assists, four threes, and the game winner. Bang. How about it? And then you look at uh, Doc Rivers and the hiring so far, 0-2. And the defense looks the same. And the defense looks just as bad, even against the team and the Trailblazers that's not very good. Listen, I still think the Bucs can be fine. I think they'll be okay as the season goes along. Um, But that was was spoiled. That was not a a fun return to uh, Portland for for Dame. If you're Portland fans, though, it went perfectly. You get to celebrate Dame and you get to beat him. Yes. And then I, I guess I was wrong about the Kevin Durant tribute video. Did they do one? They did one. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's sad, honestly. Was like, it if just you really a press break conference? The- was that? Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.